guys feeling good this morning? Alright. Alex, you want to go ahead and just hit those spotlights off, man. I'm good. I, that would work best for me. I like to see you guys. You might not like to see me, but I'd like to see you. Well, we're just, again, we're glad that you're here this morning, and uh, we just welcome you uh, to our service. And uh, we uh, continue our series today, Kingdom Secrets. Kingdom Secrets, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a parable today that is unique to Mark. It's not found in any other Gospel. It's uh, 3, 4 short verses, and so it's probably not, uh, not as well known as a, a lot of the other parables that you are familiar with, but um, it's called the parable of the growing seed, and it's uh, Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 26, you guys excited? I'm excited, I'm excited. All right. Let's pray before we read. Father God, we just uh, thank you so much for what we've already been able to, uh, to do this morning. We've been able to come here and uh, freely worship you through song. We've been able to have conversations already. We've been able to laugh already. Now we've, we've been able to uh, not only enjoy each other, but enjoy you. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace and mercy that allows us to do that. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made for us on the cross for our sins and the life and the hope that you bring us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that lives inside of us. And my prayer this morning is, is that uh, you would just feel this place. That your Spirit would move. That uh, you would open our hearts and our minds to your Word. Father, that we would see ourselves for who we are in light of who you are, and we would recognize our sin and our need for Jesus. That's my prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. You guys follow along with me? And uh, verse 26, it says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, the, through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Now verse 27, as I was reading this passage, really stood out to me, and I want to read that again. It's a key verse for us today. And it says, it says, Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. It's a mystery. Mystery is defined as anything that is kept secret or remains unexplained or unknown. 
How many people here like a good mystery? Anybody? Anybody? All right. You just, you just get all geeked up about the unknown or the unexplained. You like to sit down and watch a, a good movie or read a good book that's got suspense and mystery in it? How many of you would say, forget, menace, forget mystery, I, I've got to know what's going on? How many of you guys are like that? Like, I, I don't, just tell me up front what's going on. I don't, I don't like, you like that? All right, you like that? Anybody else? All right. You've got to have an explanation for everything. Today, we are talking about the parable of the growing seed. I've got some visuals up here for you. I've got this seed up here. I've got some seed down here on the table. And we're talking about the mystery of the growing seed and the mystery of how God takes that seed, takes that seed when it's planted in soil, which represents our heart, and God takes that seed and it grows into something beautiful like this. Like the, the scripture says, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And our question is our role in this great mystery. How do we fit into God's plan, His story, this mystery? Did anybody ever watch the popular show uh, growing up, Unsolved Mysteries? Anybody watch that? You guys remember that show? It was hosted by uh, a guy by the name of Robert Stack. I wanted to put his picture up on the screen for you guys, but I didn't do that. Uh, I love that show. It was all about trying to solve murder mysteries or missing person mysteries. And it would always give you the facts of the case, but there was always this element of mystery, like how did this happen? And we can't explain this. And I always loved the show whenever to interrupt the broadcast with that music, and it would be like, update on one of our unsolved mysteries, and it would be like, we solved the mystery. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, uh, but I tell you, Robert Stack, the guy who hosted that show, was perfect for that show, was he not? Because he himself was kind of a mysterious-looking guy. And even his voice, like he was perfect for that show. unsolved mystery. I was like, man, dude, it's good for this show. Perfect for that show. Another classic show that you may be familiar with uh, was Murder, She Wrote. Angela Lansbury, you guys remember that show? It was full of suspense and mystery, right? Love that show. But my all-time favorite show, all-time favorite, had a great balance of suspense and mystery was, are you ready for this? Drum roll, please. What are you, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, that's it. You guys got it. That's it. I mean, come on, right? Shaggy and Scooby and the gang going out and solving in the mystery bus, the mystery van, right, and solving the mysteries. I love that show. Love that show. We can't forget about the silly folklore mysteries like the mystery of Bigfoot, right, a.k.a. Sasquatch. I mean, he's big, he's hairy, he's started his own show called Finding Bigfoot. Anybody watch that show? If you do, be careful because we, we might make fun of you, okay? I, I can't believe that's a show. Anyways, then there's the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster, the Abominable Snowman, and the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, if you think about it, Ripley's, believe it or not, it's going to be in business forever right? But then there's everyday mysteries that are, are somewhere between baffling and hilarious, right? For example, the mystery of the washing machine. All right, now, now, this is the truth. No matter how confident you are that you have stuck an even amount of socks in your washer, there always seems to be an, e- an odd number that comes up, right? It's like, what is that? It's a mystery. Like, I mean, it's like, what does the washing machine just know? Like, it just eats socks or something? I don't know. That's a mystery. It's a mystery. Then there's the mystery of the traffic lanes. I don't, I'm sure this has happened to everybody in here that drives. You ever notice that when you're sitting in traffic and it's barely crawling or moving at a slow pace, what do we do? We try to find the lane that's moving the fastest, right? And we judge it by the cars that we're beside. Like we see a car and it, it's going way up there, and so we switch lanes. But as soon as we switch lanes, what happens? It slows down, and the other lane starts, what is that? That's a mystery, right? It's like, what, what is that all about? What is that all about? 
Or there's the mystery of the car and the mechanic. This has happened to me before. For weeks, your car has been making a clicking noise under the hood. You take it to the mechanic, and of course, on the day that you take it to the mechanic, the car decides to what? Not make that noise. I, I kid you not, one time at my, uh, growing up, I took my car uh, to our mechanic. He was, a, he was a, a member of our home church, and he owned his own business. And so I took it to him, and I was telling him about this, this noise it makes. And I said, just get in it, drive it, you'll hear it. I'm in the car with him. I kid you not, he didn't make it a noise. I'm not like, dude, I promise I'm not crazy. It makes that noise. Anybody, does that ever happen to anybody? Yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And here's what's amazing. Our God, our awesome God, our all-knowing, all-powerful God has created a world around us. And not just the world, but even our human bodies. He has created these things in such a way that it's absolutely baffled astronomers and scientists and people of all ages that have tried to figure things out. And it has left us wondering and in awe and it's a mystery. So how, how in the world does that happen? Like, there's just some things that if you try to think about it, it blows your mind up. You ever, th- you ever do that? You're like, how did God do that? Like, how does this work? And as you try to think about it, I mean, take the ocean, for example. How crazy is it to think that the tide is affected by the moon? Not to mention its enormous content of salt or its incredible waves and currents that form those amazing yet mysterious paths from continent to continent. I mean, God is amazing. God's creation is full of surprise and wonder and mystery. One of my, my favorites, I, I didn't know this, but you take the caterpillar, for example, uh, and Jude, he has a book, it's called the, the Very Hungry Caterpillar. You guys familiar with that book? By Eric Carle. I love that book. But did you know that a caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head? Like, how does that happen? Like, how, 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 does, how does God do that? It's a mystery. And the point of all this is so that we would stand in awe of our great God and it would cause us to worship him. I mean, the Apostle Paul says it best. when he, he, Apostle Paul uh, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he would say it like this in Romans 11, 33-34. I've got it up on the screen here for you. Go ahead and put that up there. You got it? There we go. This is what he says. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, you can't say it any better than that. It's divine mystery. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples in this parable. He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It's a mystery. It's a mystery how God takes his word and causes it to take root in someone's heart. I mean, think about this. Why is it that someone will respond to the gospel message and another person sitting right next to them won't respond at all? How is that? Or how is it that multiple children growing up in the same Christian home receiving the same teaching and only one of those kids surrenders their heart to Jesus? I explain that. It's a mystery, is it not? These are mysteries of the kingdom of God. That is us looking at the soil and wondering. Right? What's going on here? And so hear me on this. Jesus is saying that as followers, we need to know what our role in this story is. What is our role in this great mystery? How do we fit in to God's plan? His story, this mystery. Do you know what character you are in God's great big story? 
Now, in Jesus' parables, the stories, illustrations that he told, each person typically represents someone, and the imagery in the parable typically represents someone or something. So the farmer in our parable, anybody know who that represents? You could get this wrong. This is a, this is, who? Anybody know? You guys are hesitant because you're not sure. Usually you shout, it's, it's us. We're, 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 the, we're the farmer represented in this parable. All right? And so we represent the farmer, and then we scatter the seed, which represents the, the gospel, right? The word of God. Our role is to plant the seed. Jesus is the main character, and we play a supporting role. Everything we do should point to Jesus. Now, the parable starts out with this phrase. This, was, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, it would be easy for us to just kind of breeze on past that phrase, right, and, and just kind of overlook that, but that's an important phrase. Let's chat about it for a second. In the very first uh, chapter of Mark, Mark 1.15, Jesus begins his public ministry with this announcement. He says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what we need to know up front is this, right? God is all about His glory. God is all about God. God is all about His glory. And God is the main character. He's center stage. The spotlight is on Him, not the supporting cast. He creates in Genesis chapter 1 for the sole purpose of His glory. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. I've got that up on the screen as well. He says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We were created in God's image so that we would reflect God's glory. But here's where it gets screwball for us, okay? Satan is described in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen as a, uh, as a he's masquerades as an angel of light. And so Satan comes into the picture in Genesis chapter 3, and he convinces us that we need to be the main character. He convinces us that we need to be the main character of a story. He convinces us that we deserve the Oscar, not God. He says, sure, God created you. God knows best, but he's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. You need to step into the, the spotlight, and you need to take center stage is what Satan says. He says, you need to create your own story. And we did, and we have, and it's called sin, and it's called rebellion. And sin, at its core, is simply self-centeredness and self-behavior. The focus is on me. We want to be the star in our own story. When sin entered the world, we made a conscious effort to steal the spotlight away from God. We've desired the center stage. And the book of Isaiah 42 Verse 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not share my glory with anyone. Do you see the problem we have here? God will not share his glory, and yet we are continually trying to steal his glory from him. In heaven, all things are focused on God, the worship of God, and God is the center of the heavenly universe. On earth, however, because of sin and because of rebellion, we've tried to steal the show away from God. But God, in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite knowledge, in His infinite power, in His vast and endless love for you and me, is redeeming us for His glory. See, the Bible is one big story of God redeeming His people for His glory. Romans 5.8 says, But God 
demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that while we were trying to steal the spotlight, while we were trying to take center stage, we were trying to steal the Oscar. Some of that's my translation. Christ died for us. So when Jesus uses the phrase kingdom of God, he's saying this is a taste of what heaven is like. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where everything centers around God. When Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, he's talking about reversing the curse of sin that brings guilt and brings shame and condemnation. In other words, this is the way it was supposed to be. I mean, come on, the gospel of Jesus is epic, right? It's huge. What Jesus did on the cross when he died for our sins, he died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And he rose from the grave, defeating death. And that, my friends, is life-changing. Would you agree? Are we, uh, would you agree? Yes. Yes. And when we, when we surrender our lives to the gospel, to the work of Jesus on the cross, he changes our hearts. No longer is our desire to take center stage, but rather is to put the spotlight back on God. He gives us our character. He gives us purpose in the story. He helps us identify our role in the story. Listen, if we're trying to live any other story than God's story, the reality is we aren't really living any kind of story worth telling. You tracking? You understand what I'm saying? No longer is the spotlight on us, but it's on him. And and God's great big story doesn't end there. See, you've been redeemed for a purpose. You and I are in the second act of this story. Jesus said a farmer, that's us, scatters seed on the ground. I want you to feel the weight of this. God is inviting us to be a part of this great story, to share this good news of the gospel, that through Jesus we have hope. How amazing is this? I mean, right, God could have easily, he could have easily just shaken his finger, right, and done the job himself. He could have easily just sent a, a legion of angels down to the earth and said, guys, I want you to take care of this for me. He could have easily done that, right? But God doesn't do that. He chooses to use us, fallen, broken people. Because we've been redeemed to share in this great big story of redemption. Wow. That's our role. He invites us to plant, to proclaim the gospel. That's our character in this story. We're to plant the seed. The Apostle Paul describes this, this same process in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Corinthian church, if you guys aren't familiar, if you didn't grow up in church, or you're not familiar with the scriptures, or you're not familiar with the Bible, the Corinthian church was a very immature and shallow uh, type of church. They were uh, just you know, very, very uh, shallow in their faith. And what they were doing is they were arguing in this passage about whom they belong to, right? So, so Paul goes over to the Corinthian church and he preaches to them. And then Paul's partner uh, named Apollos goes over there and he preaches to them. And then the Corinthians are like arguing back and forth about who they, it's like, I belong to Paul. Or one of them say, I belong to Apollos. And, I'm of, and they were just kind of going back and forth. And this is what Paul says. I love what he says here. He says, I planted the seed. I shared the gospel. I proclaim the good news. I shared the story of God and redemption. Apollos watered it. 
He came in, He also shared the Word of God. But God gave the increase. God caused it to grow. I love this part. He says, so then neither he who plants is anything, right? He knows his place. Nor he who waters. But it's God who gives the increase. You see, it's all about God. In other words, you belong to Christ. God is the main character, and we are the supporting cast that points everyone to him. Now, if, if we were honest with ourselves this morning, knowing what our role is, and what our character is in the story can at times create this, this angst within us, right? I mean, because the reality is that at some point we are going to have to, to talk, to open our mouth, and to share our faith, to share the gospel with somebody. And whenever you, you, you think about that, it creates this, this angst within us, right? It's like, man, I, I, this, this the intimidation factor, this like, ugh, I don't know about this. And sometimes we can be a little shy about our story or our faith, and it creates this fear within us. Last week, if you were here, I made this statement. I said that God does something in us. He changes our hearts. He transforms us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And then God will do some things through you. And one of those some things is planting seeds. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he lays out these commands. He says, therefore, go and teach and baptize and teach some more. And then at the very end of that verse, he says, and I am going with you. I'm sending you out to scatter seed, to plant, to share your story and to tell my great big story. And you will not be alone. Now, there may be some difficult days. There'll be some days that that are costly. There'll be some days that you, you might want to shrink back. There'll be just some days that you, you'll want to hide. But just know that, that I am with you, Jesus says, and all authority, all authority is mine. That should give us our confidence to scatter the seed. And I'm so glad that Jesus inserted verse 28 into our text. Back over in Mark chapter 4, Jesus says, all by itself, all by itself, this seed that you plant in this soil all by itself all by itself the soil produces grain you know what this does this is liberating this takes the pressure off of us right it's not up to us how the seed grows our role is to plant god does the rest and even though it's beyond our ability to understand even though we may sit there and stare at the soil wondering, we know that God is in control, not us. Amen? We can't be anybody's Messiah. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. It's not about our perfect words. It's not about you getting it just right. It's not about having a magic formula. See, what we do is we try to put too much uh, pressure on ourselves. We, we think that, man, I've got to say the right thing. I've got to do th- and, and, and we, what we do is we put this, this weight on our shoulders that, that Jesus is like, you don't have to carry this weight. You ever had a conversation with somebody and you've maybe shared your faith or you've shared your story and then you've walked away from that conversation and you beat yourself up? You think, man, if I'd have just said this or if I'd have said that. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever done that before? Yeah, yeah. 
This is what Jesus is saying. He says, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Jesus doesn't need our cool factor all right, to help the seed to grow. Jesus is just saying, be willing. Be willing. Plant the seed. Share your story. Tell his story. And God is more than capable of doing the rest. I want you to hear me on this this morning. Okay? We have no capacity to produce belief in other people. Parents, we can't make our kids believe in Jesus. That stinks. I want to. That's one of my fears. Like I want to just so bad to just be able to, to take Jude and Shepherd and plant that seed in their heart, man, and just I want, to, I want it to grow. I want to make it grow. And what God is saying is we, we have no control over that. I want to be in control. I want to make sure my kids are growing and following Jesus, but that's not my role. My role is to plant the seeds. My role is to talk about God and Jesus every waking minute that I can. My job is to point them to their need for Jesus. Tell them about his great big story. Plant the seed. Let God handle the rest. Does that make sense? So, so what does planting gospel seeds in our everyday life look like? Well, it begins, us, begins by us praying. Praying for opportunities. Praying for our coworkers. Praying for our neighbors. I would encourage you to write their names down on an index card and put it in your, on your mirror or in your car. Because sometimes you will plant seeds intentionally. Right? For example, I intentionally go to my hairstylist named Barron at Gabe's Barbershop because she's Muslim. And my intention is to plant gospel seeds in her life. That's my intention. And then sometimes we may uh, plant uh, seeds that, that aren't necessarily as intentional, but it's about building relationships. And so in our neighborhood, we'll do block parties or we'll have uh, a... Uh, cul-de-sac party. You know what I mean? We'll just kind of get together as neighbors and just kind of grill hot dogs and hang out. And so my intention there is to build relationships with people and then to just kind of plant a seed here and there. You tracking? And that's, that's what our role is. That's what our role is. It's modeling grace and mercy in our everyday relationships with our kids, with our spouse, our co-workers. That's planting, that's planting seeds. That's pointing them to Jesus. That's spreading the gospel seed. Growing up in my home church, there was an awesome godly lady named Pat Snyder. She was uh, just an awesome lady. Pat died several years ago, and I had the privilege of sharing her funeral service. And I was writing this this past week, and I actually, as I was writing this, I had no idea. I started to cry uncontrollably. Like, I was sitting behind my desk, and I was thinking about Pat, and I was thinking about her life and what she did, and I just started to cry. I was like, I had to stop, and I pulled away. I said, what am I doing? You know, I'm crying over this. But if you knew this lady, she loved Jesus, and her life showed it. I mean, she had a servant's heart. Her husband, Ronnie, on the other hand, was far from God. Never attended church with Pat. Didn't want to have anything to do with church or God. But for 40, 40 years, Pat modeled the gospel in her home. For 40 years, Pat planted gospel seeds. She prayed for Ronnie. She extended grace and mercy towards Ronnie. She didn't nag him. She didn't condemn him. She didn't guilt him. She didn't shame him. She didn't think that she was better than him. She simply loved Ronnie. The 
because Christ loved her. That's what she did. She simply planted. And two years before Pat got sick and died, Ronnie surrendered his life to Jesus. And to this day, Ronnie is growing in his love and affection for Jesus. Man, it's a great example of planting seeds. It has a happy ending, and I wish all stories like that had happy endings. It may take 40 minutes. It may take four years. It may take 40 years. But if we are faithful seed planters, God is a faithful seed grower. Amen? Every single week we have the opportunity to come around the table. Uh, I, I say the word table. Come around uh, and, and, and um, take communion. It's uh, bread and juice every week. We remember what Christ did on the cross for our sins and the sacrifice he made for us. And, and then the juice represents the, the, the blood that was shed on the cross for us. And every week we, we kind of take that and we remember what he did for us and we reflect upon our own life. And, and this morning what I want you to do is we've got two tables up here and we've got some pita bread and I want you to take the pita bread and I just want you to dip it in the juice. And then off to the side you'll notice uh, I scattered some seeds on the table, a couple of pots, one with soil, one with a plant in it. And as you take the, the bread and you dip it into the juice, I want you to think about what Christ did for you. And because of what he did for you, he has called us to be planters, to plant the seed, to plant the gospel. You guys do that this morning? And then you can just go back to your seats and we'll continue to worship some more. And, uh, and then I'll get some, some further instructions. So I'll pray for us. The band will come out. They'll do some instrumental music. And then you guys just come on up either side, take the bread, dip it in the juice, and worship the Lord. Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Jesus who uh, went to the cross for us. Father, it's so easy for us to get off track. It's so easy to think that everything revolves around us. It's so easy for us to think that the story is about us. Father, I pray this morning that as we remember the sacrifice that you made, that the story is about you. And that our role was to simply plant the seed and point people to Jesus. So thank you for this time that we have. May your spirit just move in this place and prick our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.